Hello, it's Friday, October 20th, and welcome to episode 264 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week in the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna, and I'm joined here today by NSI Executive Director Jamil Jaffer, NSI's Deputy Executive Director Jessica Jones, and Senior Fellow Lester Munson. Donald Rumsfeld once borrowed a quote from Mark Twain, saying something to the effect of, a lie can travel halfway around the world and back while the truth is still lacing up its boots. Earlier this week, an explosion at a hospital in Gaza resulted in reportedly more than 400 deaths. Hamas claimed that the explosion was due to an Israeli airstrike, part of the group's effective disinformation strategy to delegitimize Israel's self-defense. The Israeli Defense Forces took immediate action to provide clear evidence that a misfired rocket from the Palestinian Islamic Jihad in Gaza was responsible. President Biden, who had just landed in Israel, defended Israel, saying it was the other team. However, the hospital explosion did not stop Arab leaders from canceling their meeting with President Biden in Jordan out of protest. Arabs across the world took to the street. The U.S. Embassy compound in Beirut was set alight, and coalition forces were injured in a spate of drone attacks in Iraq. Jamil, the Israelis haven't always been good at strategic communication and being able to convey their side effectively. We saw this in the May 2021 conflict with Gaza. In this case, though, the Israelis provided clear evidence that it was the Palestinian Islamic Jihad and not them that caused the explosion at the hospital. Is this enough and what more needs to happen here? Well, I mean, look, I think I think the challenge here, Morgan, is that it took a little while uh, for them to get the information out. And we are operating in a, you know, in a 20 minute, one hour, two hour, four hour scenario with social media and the like. So, you know, the Israeli forces are just not getting the information out fast enough. They said, well, we're investigating. We're not sure. Um, and and, you know, truth be told, at times they have said, well, it wasn't our strike. And then in the past, it has been an Israeli strike. And so they, they want to do the right thing and get the right answer out. And so they took the time needed to get the evidence to demonstrate that it wasn't an Israeli strike. Um, and by the time they did that, though, the the story had already spun out of control. There were, you know, videos of people being taken to other hospitals, injured, um, little children bloodied. And so, you know, the the narr- the public narrative uh, is getting out way out ahead of um, where a rational, reasonable, fact-based response can be. And I don't know that there's a good solution to that. You don't want to come out swinging and then be wrong. At the same time, um, you know, if the media is moving that quickly, how do you tell how do you tell an effective, truthful uh, story? And I'm not sure there's a good answer uh, to that question. Less disinformation is not new, um, especially by the likes of Hamas and other terrorist organizations. Why does this matter to the United States and, and what should we be doing about it? Well, let me just first say, I don't particularly like the word disinformation. I prefer the old school term of propaganda. Uh, and pretty much everything Hamas says is propaganda. And the, the real issue is not that Hamas is pushing out propaganda all the time. Um, the real issue is there's plenty of dupes out there who accept Hamas propaganda as some sort of fact immediately. That's crazy. Shame on the people who are reporting these things uh, as fact based on some sort of Hamas announcement. I'm using air quotes around announcement. 
you have to just assume Hamas is engaging in massive spin or outright lies. This is a terrorist group that just less than two weeks ago carried out the most barbaric attacks in Israel. Why anyone from the New York Times on down in our in our news media would accept their word on anything is beyond me. And so I think the real onus is on the people who are reporting from the region. They need to do a much better job of being skeptical of people they should be skeptical of. This is kind of common sense at the end of the day. Should the should the Biden administration be calling out these news outlets when they when they spread um, this, as I would call it, disinformation, you would call it propaganda? Yeah. What, why wouldn't they? I don't I don't like the. I, I actually think the president did, did a pretty good job with the trip, but I don't like the fact that he said this was done by the other team as if there were, this were some sort of fair competition between Israel and Hamas. Hamas isn't the other team. Hamas is a terrorist organization dedicated to destroying part of world civilization. They're, they're not the other team. They're the bad guys. Uh, so we got to kind of pull away from the sports metaphors here and start saying things that are accurate and truthful. That starts with the president. He should do a better job. And yes, fine. Call out reporters for instantly adopting what Hamas says. You know, that some of the headlines in major American newspapers were atrocious in, initially. They need to, they really need to do a better job. I'd like to, and, and yes, the whole conversation about the news media is fraught in our country with politics. But this is basic stuff. And the administration shouldn't be shy about shaming these newspapers for not doing a good job. Jess, you have something to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a blend of what, you know, Jamil and Les are pointing out. I think it's like, how do you battle this? I mean, you have here in America, most people get their information from social media. They don't check news sites. So you have major news sources competing for viewership with social media. So how do you do that? They take what the first story they can and they'll amend it later. To Les's point, but the story is already out there. So, you know, when you have social media and content moderation becoming political, then you have to have actors like like the EU is mad at Twitter. Like they're starting an investigation over the Israeli-Hamas war and what Twitter's putting out there and their fight against disinformation. And they've also sent warnings to TikTok and Facebook and Meta. We don't have that, you know, that same conversation here, but that's what the news sources are doing. And so to Jamil's point, how you begin to combat that when that's the way folks are getting their news now. Well, you know, and the Israelis really need to take a page out of the, of the book of the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians have done a phenomenal job on social media shaping the narrative around the war with, with Russia. Uh, Russia, which has a tremendously effective uh, state-based disinformation and misinformation and propaganda to less this point operation, um, has, has done terribly. The Ukrainians have owned the social media space. The Israelis have got to figure out how to do that effectively. Hamas is winning the social media war in, in, a, in a significant way, and that is crazy. Okay, so final question, and I think this is this is specifically related to U.S. security for for U.S. personnel overseas. You know, we saw how quickly the Arab Street responded and, and mobilized when they received this disinformation about the hospital. Um, there were very real and dangerous implications for 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 U.S. personnel serving overseas. I, the U.S. Embassy in Beirut um, announced a level four travel advisory. Uh, for Lebanon, urging Americans not to travel there. Les, Jamil, I mean, you served on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee right after uh, the the Benghazi attack. What what do you make of this? And are we likely to see more of this? What does this mean for, for a U.S. presence in the region? Well, I think we've got to make clear that it's unacceptable to attack an American embassy. I mean, the idea that 
um, in foreign countries who are allowing American embassies to be attacked and potentially burned. I mean, it's just it's just outrageous. We need to make sure our host nations are we're very clear about host nations. It's not acceptable um, and that we have armed forces sitting there. I mean, we you know, we have we have a Marine Guard, a, a small group of Marine Guards at the front desk. We need to fortify our embassies in the Middle East and be prepared to take action if our embassies are being attacked. It's not acceptable. We won't stand for it. People need to understand that. You know, Morgan, I think there's part of a larger question about the effectiveness of our State Department and the support that it needs. Is it being adequately funded? Are we meeting all of the security security needs? Uh, Congress has been a little bit absent on this in the last few years. I think uh, a harder look at what what we need out in the field, whether we're meeting those needs uh, on the security front, on frankly the American Information Services front as well. You know, we used to have a U.S. information agency that was vibrant and well-funded and did a lot of good work around the world. That hasn't been around for a generation. We may need to recreate that to help, uh, as Jamil says, shape narratives, or as as we might say, uh, you know, put out the truth about what is happening. Uh, but I think I think that's that's part of a larger issue about what, how we think about our international presence. And I think we, we probably need to invest more, but we need to make sure it's invested the right way. Well, it sounds like we have a lot of material from a future podcast. Um, that is a wrap. Thank you to Tatum Clifton, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, October 23rd, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart, fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe.